not about what the outside world thinks. It's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room? And the best man wins, and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Welcome back to the Outside World, the Athletics OU football podcast. I'm Jason Kersey, joined today uh, by my, my friend Eddie Radosevich from Soonerscoop.com and 107.7 The Franchise, who has recently nominated me for a Nobel Peace Prize. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. How about that? I think that uh, after your piece on Top Dog this morning, it's going to uh, really kind of uh, set forth the movement. This is backed up by the Horns by Peace movement, yeah. uh, or Horns Up for Peace. So uh, congratulations on the nomination. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't realize you had the power to nominate people, but I'll take it. Yeah, I, I think so. This is 2020. You can basically do anything you want in this day's world. All you got to do is tag somebody on Twitter, right? Absolutely. But I do want to start, and this is not football related, but I do want to start with Top Dog because I love that Top Dog is back. I had a... Um, a uh, chance to write a, a big story about Top Dog's return today, and uh, you were somewhat prominently featured in it, but I know that you have sort of, you've led a lot of movements here in your life, but mm-hmm. but this is one you've kind of led for a while. Why why did you love Top Dog so much? Oh, I think it definitely is the nostalgia of it, isn't it? Uh, just as far as the uh, memories that are evoked when you see Top Dog, it was some of the better uh, even though I was extremely young at the time, it was some of the better uh, years of uh, Oklahoma basketball. And I think that it just more than anything reminded me of uh, of my childhood and going down to games and stuff like that. Uh, so it was it was cool. I never understood why they took him out. Uh, I, I think that, you know, a lot of people uh, certainly in uh, today's I'm not going to say climate, but today's world, just as far as, uh, you know, the the reasons that people don't go down to the Lloyd Noble Center as much, uh, you know, it would certainly help if you're winning basketball games. But I, I think it's all kind of a part of the product that Oklahoma basketball uh, is and was and, you know, I guess could become again if, yeah. if, if things go right. Well, yeah, what, what I like about it is that, you know, OU football dominates everything and this mascot is the schooner. You can't yeah. take the schooner onto the court. Sure. So – and, foot, and football dominates everything. So that gave basketball something that was sort of uniquely theirs. And then you take that away, and it, ta- it takes away a, just that little extra incentive for people to go. And I don't think it's any surprise that attendance is down since they did that. No, it, it certainly it, – I mean, you look at you know all the reasons why you wouldn't go to a college basketball game these days, and uh, it kind of makes sense why you would bring them back, try and get more fans down there, uh, try and get more – more butts in the seat and you know with the thunder it's obviously been a uh, kind of a systematic change i guess <laughs> just as far as how people uh pay for entertainment and you know i, I think that it's going to be interesting here over the next couple months and certainly i was saying this about a month and a half ago when the basketball season really actually started was you know if the thunder really go do go through a tank which i think a lot of people kind of expected and they obviously aren't right now uh, what is that going to do for the college basketball teams? Isn't that going to get more people down to Norman or Stillwater? And, um, you know, I, I, I think that we certainly haven't seen uh, the attendance go up in Norman as much. Uh, they, they haven't had too many ba- uh, games down there yet. But uh, I do think it's going to be kind of interesting, kind of fun to see how many people they get down there. And I don't think it's going to be just because of Top Dog, but – if you have kids, I would think that it, you might have a better opportunity to bring them down if they could come down and see him, take a pick, and do all that kind of stuff. Well, I, I mean, 
I don't have kids and you don't have kids, but people that are our age do have kids. And we've already seen some of that on Twitter. People saying like, I took a picture with top dog. I want my, my kid to take a picture with top dog. So it's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, I guess while we're on this subject for a moment, we should talk about the game tonight. Um, you know, OU was kind of on a little bit of a run there, but God, that Iowa State game was not great. I mean, you cover the team a lot more closely than me. I mean, wh- what do you think is going to happen tonight? What do you think about this team in general? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think Kansas obviously is the top ten team coming in. They were <laughs> number one just a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, Oklahoma. I thought the the way that they played up in uh, Ames was probably a little predictable. Just as just as far as looking into, uh, you know, they had won two games to open the season. Uh, Oklahoma in the conference play. Uh, Iowa State had lost two in a row. Uh, kind of got their butts kicked uh, last week against Kansas up in Ames, and so I thought that they would probably bounce back. And you know, this Oklahoma team, I think, will be one that grows throughout the season. They have a lot of really young pieces, a lot of uh, guys that you know are relatively new faces to the program. Uh, you have a kind of a trio of guys uh, that are really the kind of the foundation of what they have as far as a, as a starting lineup with. Christian Doolittle, who's off to an ex- excellent year so far. Uh, Brady Manick, obviously, I think Oklahoma fans would be pretty familiar with his name. And then Austin Reeves is kind of the new transfer in from Wichita State, more of a shooter. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with how much he's been able to uh, develop his offensive game off the dribble. I, I kind of thought he was just basically a stand in the corner and knock down threes because that's what he did at Wichita State. And he's really developed his offensive game. So, uh, you know, this team will go as far as those three go. Uh, Devion Harmon has has struggled, but you kind of saw that in the second half, him kind of grow in that in that second half. And uh, I think he only had nine points or ten points in the second half, but those were uh, big and getting a win down at the drums. So um, you know, I think that the uh, forecast for this team, I, I said at the beginning of the year, and I don't think my thought on it has kind of changed any. Just as far as I think that Oklahoma, you know, they if this team makes the NCAA tournament, that would be a good foundation and a good. Uh, you know, kind of a, a good season to, to build off of. Because I do think that Oklahoma here over the next couple years, when you get Victor Iwakor, who's a freshman playing, uh, you know, I, I think they love Jalen Hill. He was the Nevada player of the year coming in from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had an exceptional recruiting class. It's just going to take a little bit for these guys to mold into what, uh, you know, I think they ultimately will be. But, um, you know, depending on how long, Long Kruger stays around, which I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's going to retire at the end of the year or anything, but I think this core group of guys will kind of be his last, uh, I guess, hoorah, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that, you know, they will try to build to what you saw from Buddy and Isaiah Cousins and Ryan Spangler, uh, their senior years back in 2016. Uh, Just guys that have been a part of the program and like any team in college basketball nowadays, I think as a whole, you look at the whole landscape of what college basketball is, is, there are so many teams out here that just I, – I don't think that there's a dominant team by any means. I think there's a lot of teams that, um, you know, have a lot of senior-laden guys, kind of like a Virginia, uh, that will ultimately work to win a national championship when they're seniors and when they're upperclassmen. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a good, good breakdown of the, of the team. And uh, obviously, though, tonight the big news is Top Dog is back. OU hosting Kansas tonight, and Top Dog will be there. He'll also be at the women's basketball game later this week, and he is back for good. Uh, so if you get a chance to check out my story on The Athletic, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. I, I went really deep into the history down to the uh, story of the first Top Dog in 1983. 
uh, hiking his leg and peeing on Bobby Knight, which was my favorite anecdote in that story. Anyway, um, it's, it's it's honestly one of the greatest travesties in the world that Scoop HD wasn't there that night <laughs> to have video of Top Dog uh, basically accosting uh, Bobby Knight, and you know it just. It kind of evokes the memory of what uh, Mississippi has gone down the road as, you know, like the the pissing of the dog and then getting Matt Luke fired, which led to uh, Joe Moorhead getting fired. And now they have Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. It's an amazing world that we live in, Kersey. When that guy told me that story, I actually uh, asked him, I was like, oh, did you see what Ole Miss did? And he hadn't seen it. So I had to send him the video of it so he could watch it. But, uh, yeah, that definitely reminded me of of Ole Miss, which is the greatest ending to a college football game in a long time. Um, So speaking of college football, uh, we got together with some other writers last night, watched the national championship game. LSU was just so much better than everybody else. I mean, it's kind of shocking um, how, how good they are, how amazing uh, Joe Burrow was. Um, so, you know, you look at that game, and uh, I think if you're an OU fan, do you feel better about what happened in the Peach Bowl? I mean, they they beat Clemson really bad. They didn't beat them as bad as they beat OU or even close to it, but they still beat them pretty bad. Does, does that make you feel better? Oh, I, I don't know if feel better would be the right word. I, I think that Oklahoma fans are at a little bit of a breaking point, which, you know, in a way, we kind of tried to warn them before the Peach Bowl, just as, just as far as looking at this team and what they accomplished with the pieces in place, um, you know, with a inefficient quarterback at times, uh, with an inability to be able to, you know, complete some of the things that they have done it over the last couple of years. I think that... Uh, it can be said both that Oklahoma got embarrassed in the Peach Bowl, but at the same time, I do think that, and you know, I know Oklahoma fans don't want to hear this, but you got to stay with us as far as just stay with it long term. And I think that they are headed in the right direction. The trajectory of the program's headed in the right direction. The gap is somewhat closing, even though it doesn't. It I even saying it out loud, I feel stupid saying that. Uh, but they are starting to build and progress towards what you want defensively. I don't think that anybody out there is not saying that Alex Grinch's first year wasn't as a, 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 I, and even giving up 63 in the playoff, I'd still say it was a resounding success just as far as what they had in place. You have to remember that they didn't have their best player uh, in Ronnie Perkins. Uh, you know, the Deller and Turner yell thing was an awful loss at the time. So, and, and then things just went haywire. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think that LSU obviously played their best football at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, kind of looking back at everything that was Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron, everything that went in, Jamar Chase, uh, everything that went into that defense, uh, and, all, you know, just the entire team of what LSU had was incredible. It, it really was one of those storybook seasons, and it kind of ended that way last night. Yeah. Uh, with Joe Burrow putting together maybe one of the better performances in a championship game, uh, you know, 60 touchdowns this year. I think we, we saw the stat right before we started that uh, from 2015 to 2018, LSU threw 58 touchdowns or 59 touchdowns. Joe Burrow threw 60 this year. That's incredible. It's an incre- that's, a, that's an incredible number. And even for Oklahoma fans that have seen some prolific offenses over the last five years, you got to sit back and think, like, Joe Burrow just completely – I mean – I thought Baker Mayfield was exceptional in 20, 2017. 
Kyler Murray was great. Kyler Murray was eight, great last year or two years ago. Joe Burrow had one of those years that was he just he was able to finish. He was able to do something that uh, you know Baker and Kyler weren't able to do, and that's kind of life. That's just the way it is. I know Oklahoma fans mm-hmm. want it differently, and they they would prefer that uh, they would have had an LSU type defense to uh, to match with some of those offenses. But you got to give credit to LSU, and um, you know as as much as I hate to say it, uh, you know that gap between what the SEC is doing as a whole is just. It's so big uh, compared to the rest of the country. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I think Oklahoma's headed in the right direction. But it is a, you know, kind of an unpleasant reminder that they still have a long way to go. Yeah, they do. And I wonder, you know, OU fans like to think, and, and fairly so, like, God, what if we'd had a decent defense in 2017 or 2018? Um, could we have won the national championship? If you're an LSU fan, though, doesn't this have to make you think, if Les Miles or Ed Ogeron had just modernized the offense back in 2012, they could have won five of these by now. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got all the talent in the world, and they do every year. No, I, 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 that's kind of the, uh, that was kind of the ongoing joke, wasn't it? Uh, everybody knows the type of athlete that comes out of the state of Louisiana. I mean, that's not a secret to the college football world. Uh, it was always a matter of could they match an offense with what they have defensively, and um, you know, you, you look across the landscape of uh, the NFL with all the guys, Leonard Fournette or, you know, the, the receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, you know, any of those guys that are out there, if they would have just had some type of semblance of a quarterback out there, they probably would have played for a couple more national titles. And uh, that has to be frustrating for LSU fans. Uh, it's probably not what Alabama fans want to hear here over the last couple of years, just with what they've been able to accomplish in the SEC West. But um, you know, even with that said, and you look at Oklahoma, if they could have had a defense, well, they did have the ball down three in overtime uh, against the, in, in the Rose Bowl against Georgia. If they score a touchdown, they're on to a national championship, and they weren't able to do it. So, um, you know, it's going to be debated for years to come on what exactly Oklahoma needs to do. But, uh, you know, I, in a way, I certainly don't think that just throwing your hands up and leaving the Big 12 is, um, you know, I don't, I, I in a way, I think that's a little bit of a scapegoat for a lot of Oklahoma fans to make themselves feel better about how Oklahoma's played on the big stage. But um, it's hard to look at what a team like, you know, a Texas A&M, just the way that they've been able to kind of flip the script in the recruiting realm and be able to go get some of these five-star guys that Oklahoma's been trying to get. And, you know, I, I, I certainly think that, uh, there's an argument to be made, but I don't think it's probably the easiest one or the easiest well, fix, don't you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think conference is that simple. I mean, if that was true, Clemson wouldn't be winning national titles. I mean, they're in a much shittier conference than yeah. the Big 12, right? I mean, right no, now, I, so I don't, I don't know that that's the end all. No, and, you know, I, I that's that's the one argument against the idea that a, just a conference flip would all of a sudden change things. And I, I think that, uh, you know, Clemson has laid a little bit of a foundation, and granted, they're in a good area geographically. Uh, geographically, just as far as you know, South Carolina is in a, a good call it a high school football state, a good producer of talent. Uh, you're in the Atlanta area. You're in that southeast nook, kind of. Uh, and you know, they've obviously they've taken it national. They 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 went and got the breezy kid from. Uh, New Jersey, I think Don Bosco. Uh, they went and got the uh, number one quarterback and the number one player in the country in 2020 in the DJ uh, 
Ugalegly, whatever. I, I'm I not even going to try. Yeah. Well, we'll learn his name as soon as Trevor Lawrence uh, uh, wins the national championship and Heisman Trophy next year. Right. Uh, but it, 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 they have laid a foundation. And, you know, I think people forget that we're not too far removed from uh, Clemson giving up 70 in the Orange Bowl. And I think that, you know, that was the point that, uh, you know, Dabo comes in, makes changes. Obviously, he goes out and gets Brent Venables, and the rest is history. Yeah. Well, I want to get into more of the OU side of this in a minute, but I we have to talk about the Odell Beckham thing, which is my favorite just insanely stupid sports scandal in a long time. So for those of you who don't know, Odell Beckham Jr. was on the field in front of hundreds, hundred cameras probably. Hundreds. Um just handing out wads of cash to LSU players after the game. Uh, and LSU's response made it worse because they claimed that it was just fake money, which reminds me of uh, Tom Haverford and John Ralphio in Parks and Rec uh, throwing up fake money at Interstate, Entertainment 720. Um, obviously, that's bullshit. It was not fake money. No. Um, but, you know... I, what do you think about that? I just can't believe they, that he was so brazen. I don't even have a problem with paying players. We all know that stuff goes on. Yeah. We all know that, you know, whatever. And I think that, you know, it should be – players should be paid. But come on. I thought it was hilarious. Just just the, the basis of the entire video that you have a superstar NFL player from LSU handing out wads of cash on the field to players still in uniform after a national championship game. It, it's like the uh, it's like a chef's kiss uh, that you see people refer to on Twitter because it's just everything. Like I would think from and I and we we both know how uh, I guess on top of it Oklahoma is. Oh yeah. As far as their compliance office, I just can't imagine uh, the heads exploding as Adrian Peterson did that or uh, Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray just handing out wads of cash after a game. Uh, and you know, to, to say that it was, uh, fake money makes it just like that much better. It, and it, yeah. it's almost perfect that it's from an SEC school too, because there are so many innuendos out there about, uh, you know, the bagman in Louisiana or the <laughs> bagman in Alabama or Mississippi. Uh, you know, I, as a whole, I think that we're getting to the point, uh, that, you know, some, there is going to be a breaking point with the NCAA. It's just going to be really interesting to see what the final outcome is. And, you know, this is on the heels of uh, uh, the the image and brand likeness, uh, you know, decisions that have come down in college football. And, you know, I'd say over the next, especially with how the TV contracts are going to be renegotiated in, what, 2025? I think that's right, yeah. I would have to think that we're about to see a uh, kind of a seismic shift as far as what makes an amateur student-athlete and everything that goes into that kind of discussion. That's probably a little over my head just as far as the ins and outs of what's going to have to happen and how you pay players and, you know, what, uh, you know, obviously the football team brings in more money. Do they get more money than a volleyball player at the school? And that brings Title IX into yeah, it. it just, yeah, it's going to be such a big hurdle. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think with what we've learned through CTE discussions and all that kind of stuff, you just – these guys need to be probably be compensated at some point. It's just how, how can you do it? And, um, you know, I know that there's a lot of people out there that say that they get their schooling paid for and stuff like that. If you really want to get down to the bottom of it, don't make the kids go to school. 
Right. You let know? a let a major in I football. Know, I know that's to a lot of people that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but let's be honest. How many players at Division One major programs are going and doing fifteen hours of homework a week? Right. Well, why? I, I the thing I've never understood is why. Why can a uh, music a music major mm-hmm. major in music take a job playing in a string quartet or something yeah. and getting paid for that and take all these music classes on scholarship and yet a football player can't do the same thing can't get paid to play can't major in the thing that they want to do either as a player or as a coach I mean you could create a curriculum around it train them to be teachers and coaches. I mean, I don't understand why why that has to be different than the the theater kids. Yeah, how about they have a class about not spending wads of cash and giving it away to to <laughs> to, uh, to to former play or to current players on the on the sidelines? I it, it was hilarious though. It makes for you know this is kind of like one of those mornings, and even last night a little bit. It makes the allure and the love of what Twitter is so much greater because mm-hmm. it. It did feel like you were like right there. Even this morning, it's like this is going to be big. I know it's going to be big. Like I want to be a part of this discussion, and uh, it's been a pretty fun morning. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I just, I just can't believe the brazenness of it. And I, and because what you're, what you're, if you're Odell Beckham and you're happy that LSU won the national championship, and you're out there in the middle of the field, what is the quickest way to get that national championship vacated? <laughs> By doing exactly what you're doing. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the the other thing about it too is is nobody in this world would give a damn if that thing was vacated. You think one LSU fan out there really actually cares if the NCAA in five, ten years says, Oh, by the way, twenty nineteen you didn't yeah. Joe Burrow didn't win the Heisman in twenty nineteen and neither did they win the national champ. Like Nobody cares about that stuff. It's like Reggie Bush won the 05 Heisman, whether he gave it back or not. I will forever remember watching, uh, I think it was from a fraternity house in Norman, Oklahoma, him uh, run up and down the field against Fresno State. Like, it's not going to ever take the memory away. I just, I, I've never understood what uh, vacating wins does for a program, and even more so now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, in terms of OU, I mean, I think we saw, I mean, even on the Clemson side, even as they were getting beaten, we sure. saw the talent that they have on defense. Didn't that the OU game just have. look different? It did. It absolutely did. Um, and I and I know that I know that you can say, well, OU's getting better players. They're getting Bryson Washington. They're getting these kinds of guys that are going to be more like that. But I feel like also we've been hearing that for a while. I mean, didn't we hear that about Robert Barnes? Didn't we hear that about Jordan Parker? Didn't we hear that? They're getting guys. They're getting those guys. And uh, I, I just think it's it's about recruiting, but it's also about developing because Clemson oh, develops the hell out of their guys. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that uh, why is it different this time around is probably uh, the, the biggest question mark. And I think that, you know, I would start with, A, uh, you know, development is 100% key. But maybe even before development, it feels like for the first time in a while, they have a vision of what they want. They have a direction of what they want to do. And, you know, you got to credit the new defensive staff. you got to credit Alex Grinch and Roy Manning and Brian Odom, uh, Calvin Thibodeau, that entire crew, just as far as it feels like they have an identity in place. Now it's easier to fit those pieces in. And I think that, um, you know, it's in a way – 
almost a good thing that Kenneth Murray's leaving because they can go sell it now. They can go sell, hey, we come in in a year, we turn this guy into a first-round draft pick, and maybe he would have been a first-round draft pick a year ago. But, um, you know, his, his play on the field, I think, probably backs it up a little bit. Um, it, it was obvious that he improved over the course of a season under Brian Odom. And, you know, I, I think that more than anything, look at a guy like Parnell Motley and what Roy Banning was able to kind of turn him into over the course of a year. So, um, you know, yeah, they've, they've recruited well. Uh, they, they have to hit on some of these guys, though, uh, whether it be Bryson Washington or Joshua Eaton, uh, even a guy like a Justin Harrington coming in as one of the best JUCO defensive backs in the country. Uh, you have to start hitting on them. Um, you know, I, I think the next, the next question mark for Oklahoma defensively, it seems like things are headed in the right direction uh, on the defensive side of the ball. It's just where can you get those playmakers? And, you know, I know that Oklahoma fans just say, well, get, you know, where's the next Gerald McCoy? Uh, he's there. There aren't those. There isn't another Gerald McCoy. Like I, I think that people just think that they grow on trees, and they don't. Like they. You mean you can't just recruit Oklahoma? No, I. It it doesn't work like that. And if it did, uh, you would you would I would love it because I there's nothing more than I like like I love a good Oklahoman that excels at Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Oh, it's, it's great. A, it's a great story. It goes. It, everything about it is great. Uh, you know, I, we saw it firsthand uh, with Sam Bradford or, you know, whoever, Calmus, Teddy Calma, yeah. any of those guys, yeah. like there's no better story than a college football player growing up uh, and then playing for his hometown team or, you know, the team he grew up rooting for, or cheering for. So, um, you know, I just, it, it, it's tough. I mean, you're wondering the same thing that 93% of the rest of the country is wondering is. How can we get on the same level as Alabama, Ohio State, and um, you know LSU kind of now, and Clemson? And Do you see it as like two tiers right now? Like you got Clemson, Alabama, and we'll throw LSU in there. Yeah. And then it's like that's tier one. And then tier two, I think Ohio State's probably on tier one as well. Right. Uh, with yeah. development and what they've been able to do and what they've been able to produce. Uh, and then you have Oklahoma and Georgia kind of in that, that tier two. And, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. How do you close that gap, though? Yeah, because it's it's not big. I mean, we've seen Clemson take the step. You just mentioned we are not that far removed from the 70-point uh, Orange Bowl. And LSU is not that far removed from firing less miles and not being able to get over the hump and losing to Troy. You know, I mean, those, those things didn't happen all that long ago. And so yeah, – it's incredible. So you can make the jump. It's just not easy, and it's sort of on the margins. And OU isn't—they've gotten to the playoff, and that's great. But they got to figure out how to win in the playoff. And yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, and I guess you know one other piece of news that came out last night is uh, De'Eric King entered the transfer portal officially. I think at first the question was he was going to come back. I never really believed that he was actually going to come back. Um, and now um, you don't, you he's don't in the portal. Your, you don't quit on your team yeah. and then decide to come back. No, I, that, that just never really kind of vibed with me. No, but— There has to be something between him and Holgerson, don't you think? Got to be. Got to be. That, otherwise, nothing else makes sense. But I do—you know, I've already seen some speculation he's going to end up at OU. I just don't see any way that that makes sense. Do you? No, I don't think it'll happen. In fact, I would go as far to say I don't think Oklahoma has any interest. 
why, why would they? I mean, you're you're gonna reinforce the stereotype that you only get transfers. You're going to piss off Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai, and maybe even Chandler Morris. Um, I mean, I just don't know what the possible benefit would be unless Riley just believes that none of the guys he has right now that he can win with, and I don't think that's how Riley sees it. No, I, I think that's a very accurate description of what it would be, and you think that they that teams have ammo now against Lincoln Riley as far as not developing quarterbacks uh, or developing uh, recruited quarterbacks, um, you know, and – the other part of it is just flat out. I think Spencer Rattler is going to be a better quarterback than Derek King. Like I, I, yeah. I am a believer in the hype of what Spencer Rattler brings. He's going to be better than Jalen Hurts, I think. Uh, he probably doesn't have to do a whole lot to do that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it, I, I, if you're if you're an OU fan out there who thinks Derek King is coming, I've got to tell you, I don't think that's the case. Especially with, I mean, I guess if Mordecai had decided to leave, then maybe there would be a a, a reason to bring someone in. But even then, you don't want to bring someone in who is a threat. You want to find someone who's going to do what those Ohio state guys did last year. The guys that came in with Justin Fields, the two grad transfers who knew you were never going to play, go find a guy who is perfectly fine being a backup. And you're not going to find that um, in Derek King. He wants to play. I think there's a chance he ends up at TCU. I think there's a chance. I mean, Arkansas makes sense because he played with Kendall Bryles. Hey, the school that makes a lot of sense. LSU. <laughs> wow. I, I really don't know what their quarterback situation is well, going that, into 2020. Uh, who's that guy? Uh, uh, oh, my God. he was. Pre- I thought he was a highly recruited guy, and now I can't think of his name. That that. Uh, anyway, it, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I thought they had a guy, but at the same time. Uh, I, I really don't. I don't follow LSU recruiting as yeah, closely as others, but um, just trying to look through the. Miles Brennan, is that a name? That sounds familiar. Anyway. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, nobody that's listening to this cares. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah, Derek King will be an interesting free agent, but I do not think he's coming to Oklahoma. I who's, think, a, who's a bigger free agent, him or Joe Brady? Oh, my God, Joe Brady is. Man, they're talking about NFL and and all kinds of things. I mean, that's the thing. You can if you get the right guy, you can make pretty pretty drastic turnarounds. I mean, Joe Burrow was a middling middle of the road SEC quarterback last year, and now he's the one of the greatest quarterbacks put put together one of the greatest seasons in college football history, and is going to probably in all likelihood be the number one draft pick. You know what's crazy is, is I was they were uh, I think I can't remember if it was you guys with the Athletic or somebody released a way too early uh, Heisman Trophy 2020. And, you know, they had, like, Sam Ellinger was on there up 10 to 1. Uh, Spencer Rattler was 10 to 1. Uh, Kaden uh, Slovis from USC was, like, 9 to 1. Uh, you look at all these all these names that are thrown out there, though, and so I was like, I wonder what the 2019 numbers were. And I could not find a number for Joe Burrow. Like, really? I, I know it was out there, but that just shows you how off the radar he came. Uh, and, you know, obviously he put together arguably kind of what we talked about at the top. It very well could be the greatest single season performance uh, by a college football player. I, I Certainly in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, well, uh, well, Eddie, thanks for stopping by again and hopping back on the podcast, hanging out with me and uh, Buster, wherever he went with his bone um, at my house. Um 
I hope you don't get a barnacle put on your car uh, this year by OU. I don't know if anyone's followed this, but uh, OU has announced that instead of towing people, they're going to put this massive intrusive thing on on your windshield uh, that puts a thousand pounds of pressure on your windshield. I don't see how this makes any sense. Uh, you know, you're 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 possibly damaging people's cars, putting this intrusive thing, charging them more for their tickets, and clogging up a parking spot when you could just tow it. So uh, I think this this is going to be a disaster. There are going to be broken windshields all over OU's campus this time next year. I'm just here for the replies. I'm here for the replies in the comment section on Twitter uh, <laughs> with, when it comes to Barnacle. But I will say this. If they want to open up some parking down there, why don't they start with the Honors College? Bulldoze that thing, turn it back into a parking lot, and you bring back uh, tailgating. There you go. So I just solved all your problems. There you go. There you go. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, as always, I appreciate your time. And uh, and be sure, if you're not already, uh, subscribe to The Athletic, but also check out Soonerscoop.com. Those guys do a great job. Uh, and listen to Eddie on the radio in the morning on 107.7 The Franchise in Oklahoma City. Thanks a lot, Eddie. Absolutely. Anytime. Always fun.